This is Acast Recommends. Every week, we pick one of our favourite shows. And this is one we think you're going to love. Hello, I'm Jeff Lloyd, and I recently had a baby with Ed Miliband. A baby podcast, that is. It's a spin-off of our show, Reasons to be Cheerful. It's called Cheerful Book Club, and it's conversations with some of the best writers working in the world today. You'll really enjoy our chats with people like US broadcasting legend Rachel Maddow, literary giant Ian McEwan, and the big, short and moneyball author Michael Lewis. Feed your brain with ideas from the Cheerful Book Club. You'll find us on the excellent Acast app or wherever else you get your podcasts. Acast is home to the biggest podcasts from Ireland and around the world. Subscribe to this show and hundreds more now via Acast or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello there, welcome to Everything is Black and White podcast. I'm Andrew Musgrove today, joined by Lee Ryder and Chris Woff. And another win for Newcastle, Lee. It wasn't the world's most entertaining game, to say the least, but it's three points nonetheless. Yeah, it was a day where the result was probably more important than the performance. Not that Newcastle played bad, I didn't think. I thought they were organised, compact. They gave themselves the platform to go on and win the game. I think Newcastle teams in the past, uh, under certain managers, may have lost that one trying to chase the game, pile too many bodies forward and then end up getting beat with a sucker punch but there was no way that was ever, didn't feel like it was ever going to happen. I know Palace had a few half chances but no shots on target and then you know the, the, late, the late goal from Marino turned what could have been a disappointing day into a very enjoyable evening on Saturday night for the fans. And Chris Marino, obviously, he's just signed that new contract and he's not to start the next couple of games. But his attitude must be spawned, come off the bench, he's not kicked up a fuss and he's just letting his football do the talking. Very much so. I mean, Newcastle have plenty of options in midfield. Hayden played very well away at Southampton um, and Shelby together. So it was understandable why Rafa continued with those two. It didn't quite work in the home game, but I think Newcastle just in possession, both teams just struggled to really get anything going, to be honest. It wasn't really... Marino came on and made a bit of a difference. It was a bit more goal forward, but even he, it wasn't, just really wasn't an afternoon enough with the conditions or what, but it just wasn't quite flown. But he came off the bench, showed that ambition and the urgency to go forward, and then, yeah, there was a slight bit of luck in terms of it comes off from Carthy, but it's still a very good header um, and shows that it, it, his interviews after the game were very good as well. He spoke about his, his desire to do well for this club and that he's happy, he thinks he's found a place under Rafa here in a club, a manager who believes in him. And yeah, it shows great and shows that that's what Rafa wants out of the whole team. It's about the fact that there's competition everywhere and there is certainly is in midfield and those three are all going to uh, keep fighting it out for those positions. And obviously started, Rafa started with Hayden and Shelby and Millie. Do you think that was just because Crystal Palace do have quite pacey players up front? Why do, why do you think that was? I think, I don't really look at the opposition too much. I, th- I think really what he's got going is, is, is as Chris is just pointing out there, some very nice competition going on in each department. I think really, every and we all had a little guess at the team, didn't we, at the weekend, and mixed results. And really, Marino and, and Shelby would probably be a lot of people's choice to start. Uh, Hayden, maybe not, even though he hasn't done that much wrong. I just think people are... They're in love with Marino at the moment, uh, but then when the team sheet comes out, he's he's on the bench, and then it, that gives him that determination that he's got to go on and, and make an impact, and that's exactly what he's done. And uh, if you look around the, the squad and around the team, then there's somebody breathing down someone's neck for that position, and 
it hasn't been like that for a long time at Newcastle. You know, I mentioned other managers before, there's certain players just walk well. I don't need to say certain players, I'll, I'll say the names. You know, people like Sissoko, Wijnaldum, just walking and back into the team with, you know, on the back of nothing but supposed reputation. Uh, Benitez won't take any of that. He'll drop anybody. He's even dropped the captain at times. He'll start the season on the bench. Um, so it's just great to see as a supporter. Um, and, you know, we've got a little bit of, we're lucky we've got a bit of access behind the scenes. It's just good to see at the club now that people really respect this club and, and respect the shirt. And every time they go on the pitch, they know they've got to give absolutely everything to keep it. That's the difference, isn't it? That maybe the squad is lacking slight quality, but we saw again. On Saturday, that the willingness to run, let yep. us know tomorrow to put the body on the line. Yeah, it's making up for maybe that that gap of quality. Do you think? Yeah, I mean, it's it's not this. Look, this isn't the the most talented bunch of players I like yeah, ever seen at Newcastle, but they're certainly the most disciplined, and they're certainly all reading off the same sort of song sheet. And I think Rafa has got them in a really good place at the moment. And you know, everyone's talking about starting to talk about January, the January transfers coming in, um, but. You know, whoever comes in is going to have to be better than what they've got. And you know, these players, unless the ones who are coming in, unless they're prepared to do it the Benitez way, then you know they won't last very long. And I think he handpicks the players he feels uh, capable of doing a job, and, and that's exactly what they're doing from at the minute. And the league table doesn't lie. And the fact that they are so high in the league table, I think, just is a testament to players but also to Rafa I mean you compare it just to, to the situation at Everton I mean the amount of money they had to spend in the summer and what he didn't do Koeman was actually address the issues they needed they needed a replacement for Lukaku and I think that they tried to find the perfect signing and couldn't get it what Rafa does is he makes sure he has a player who can do the job he wants him to do and he's getting the absolute maximum out of that team that team is on paper is not a top 7 team by any stretch of the imagination but they are looking very good. They deserve to be in that position, and that's testament to both Benitez and the squad. Another good performance for Florian Lejeune as well. You have to feel a little sorry for Cleveland Clark. It's not like he did anything wrong, but I mean, Lejeune's come in and he's picked up that way left off in pre season. But similar to what we were talking about midfielders, this is exactly what Benitez wanted. He wants options in defence, and Bemba's not even getting in the squad at the minute. Player a lot of people thought was playing well left back early in the season, can also play centre back. He's probably fourth choice there, isn't even getting a look in. In that position and, and Lejeune there was one bit where Townsend got past him and he fouled him and right he got a yellow card but I think he realised from that and really took the, the one for the team for one of a better phrase and he, he brings a bit of composure to the defence he, he does the simple things well but he also is very good on the ball and you can see there's a few times he's trying to look for the diagonal pass out and I think Rafa wants him in there to help with possession eventually ironically it didn't work on Saturday because they didn't really Neither team kept the ball particularly well, but I think he sees with Lejeune being in there, hopefully the possession stats will improve and, and Newcastle all round will become a, a bit more of a uh, balanced team. And Lee, obviously, the striker, has, it's always a debate, isn't it? I know Newcastle are their number nines, but Josh Lee hasn't really picked up you know, from the form he had against West Ham. Obviously, he scored two, but there is a bit of an issue there with goals. and he, He's all round players, fantastic, but then mm-hmm. you can obviously show his Mitrovic's, you know, he holds the ball up well. Do Newcastle lack that efficiency in front of goal? Well, I think down the years when you look at Newcastle, because in certain sort of periods in the club's history, they haven't had a good team. Um, they've had to rely on one individual to go out and really you know, get the fans going. Um, this team doesn't really rely on an out-and-out striker because the goals seem to come from all over the pitch, and I'm pretty convinced that 
people, you know, even like Lejeune, you mentioned there, eventually I think he'll get he'll weigh in with about four or five goals this season um, from set players. Lascelles has already demonstrated that. Yedlin's got some pace on him. I can see him chipping in. There's loads of players that you can make a case for who, who can get goals. Um, Yoslu, I don't think he really arrived here as an out-and-out striker slash proven goal scorer in the Premier League. Uh, he's, he's coming to a job. And I think it's, it's interesting what you were saying there about players who will do a job for Benitez because I think it got to a certain stage uh, in, the, in the window where Rafa just basically... Um, accepted he wasn't going to get the, this big pot of gold to spend and he just said right okay if that's how, how much money I've got these are the type of players I'm, I'm going to bring in Hosselu was one of them Mankio was another and both of them uh, were absolutely you know fantastic on, on Saturday in terms of work rate I mean Hosselu cleared about three or four oh, balls did, into yeah. the box that can oh, they all add up um, and sometimes on a day like that, that's as good as getting a goal. Hoslu came off, he'd done his job, he got a round of applause, the, the crowd realised that, Mankio as well, lots of blocks and interceptions. So a good um, pair of signings for the money that they had and he's getting absolutely every ounce um, of ability out of these players at the moment. I'm sure that, that's probably just how good of a coach Benitez is. It sounds daft saying it, but I mean, he's proven with his squad mm. just how good of a job he's doing. He hasn't got really the quality, but they are committed. They're united again. Sounds a bit cheesy, but they, yeah. they are. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I've covered this club. I've, I've watched this club a long time as a fan. I've covered them for a long time as a reporter. I've seen what it can be like behind the scenes. And, you know, down the years, it has been absolutely shambolic. The players don't care. They've been coming out of dressing rooms at away games. Headphones on, not speaking the press. Some of them not even signing the autographs for the fans. They don't. They didn't come across as a bunch of players who uh, could see what this club was all about. Now, slowly but surely, Rafa is, is getting a lot of them to to work that out, um, and you, it's reflective on the pitch. And you know, as I say, you can only look at the league table for the ability these players have got, and look where the team are. And it's it's absolutely brilliant at the minute. It's a good, it's a good club to be around. And as soon as, soon as the transfer window closed, or even just before it closed. Uh, as frustrated as Rafa was all summer he made it clear look right now I'm going to improve every single player I've got in this squad and he, he used that term he keeps saying it and this is the thing you've got to remember with Benitez he, he loves that side of it some managers are just managers and only do that part they don't do the coach on the training pitch Benitez talks about how when he was first in Spain and on the continent you are more of a coach than a manager you come to England and you become both and he, he relishes that he loves working with players and doing the little things and making them better. He was talking last week about working with Mitrovic on the training ground and saying this is how you got to take this shot on and all these little details and he absolutely loves that and he, he's brilliant at it. He studies things in depth and that's why you see all the improvement in all of these players since Benitez has been there, the likes of Lascelles and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, and Bemba, what's what's happening now? So he's a fan favourite. He's a little bit like Mitrovic in a sense that the fans do really seem to uh, take him to heart but he's just not in Benitez's plans at all. Well, I mean, he, he did a decent job at left-back, actually, to be honest. I didn't see that working at all before he, he played there, but it, it, for a few games he did, he did a decent job. Now that there's other options there, I just I think the problem partly is it, it's partly a communication thing, both in terms of I don't think he's the best at following instructions. I think there's been a couple of occasions where Rafa's told him to do specific things or he's had a specific game plan and Mbemba hasn't necessarily followed instructions. 
to the to the nth degree and I also think there's a bit of a language barrier there I still think he isn't brilliant at, at the language and, and that hasn't served him well but also I'd say he, he wasn't a Benitez signing and you look at these other players the likes of Lejeune Clark they came in they were bought by Benitez and in that sense he just he obviously identifies something then he sees as, 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 as he wants from his centre-backs and I don't think it's by any means the end for, for Mbemba at Newcastle I just think he He's basically fourth choice centre back and then maybe second or third choice at left back at the moment. And uh, Lee, obviously, the celebrations were quite hectic on on Saturday. If you look at the picture of Marino celebrating, there is one thing that stands out. It is John Joe Shelby behind him, mm-hmm. um, in the face of Kabai, shall we say? Harmless fun. Well, these things happen in within the sort of ninety minutes of a football game. Emotions are running high. You know, we've spoken about the red mist before. You know, Kabai stuck a really naughty one on Yedlin. Um, we don't know what Kabai was saying. Very interesting what Elliot was saying about Shelby the other day about players who are making some unsavoury remarks about the, you know, and referring to the condition that that he has. I think there's a lot going on around that at the minute and <sighs> harmless fun. Don't know if it goes into into that bracket. You certainly wouldn't encourage your players to do that because, you know, if you act like that in even in normal life, that can come back to haunt you because then someone's out to get you the next time. Don't think Shelby may have considered that, but at the end of the day, if he's if it's a reaction to something that's already been said that we haven't seen or we haven't heard, then you know it's it's understandable and. It's good that Newcastle just finished the game, you know, with eleven men, got the three points, clean sheet, and a nice place in the table on on Saturday night to to sit back and enjoy. And if he has to get about of his system, you'd rather he did something like that yeah. than necessarily what against happened Spurs. against Spurs. Yeah. So yeah. so in that sense, I suppose you can say if he's trying to find a way to channel any frustrations he might have, then. Yeah, you probably don't want to see it every game, but at the same time, it, it turned out to be too harmless at the end. So hopefully, um, he is he is finding a way to channel. Seen a lot worse as well down yeah. the years, haven't we? I mean, Martin Keown on was Van Nistelrooy yeah. at Man United when he was jumping all over him. We've seen we've seen a lot worse behaviour from players down the, down the years. I, you know, I, I mean, I did. I'm sure I've seen some. It might have been a fake news thing. But it was something about uh, you know that he could face some action or something because of it. I, I don't think that's necessary. Move on. I don't think Kabai was bothered. Um, in the end, apparently, well, not apparently, because Yedlin told me after the game that he apologised for for the tackling. I'm, I'm pretty sure Kabai knows how it works at St James's Park as well. So, yeah, move on, and hopefully that's a last we we'll hear of it. Another yeah, player who returned obviously was Andros Townsend. Obviously is. The history there, Rafa wanted to keep him last so I went back from him and Johnny didn't quite work out. Uh, he was one of the match caught in the BBC, five key passes, seven crosses into the box. Uh, I mean, why did you judge his game and, and is Rafa going to go back from, do you think, maybe in January? I thought Townsend played well. Um, him and Zahar were certainly the two outlets. I thought that while Zahar is a bit more direct, Townsend is a bit more tricky. He got in and behind a couple of times Newcastle dealt well with the two of them it was something different there wasn't really a focal point up front with Benteke not be, not playing so Newcastle had to deal with that and defensively it looked solid Townsend had a couple of he had one shot in the second half which just went over the bar he had a couple of decent crosses including one for Zahar when he really should have scored and I mean this is it won't come as a surprise to any Newcastle fan who was at St James's Park on Saturday they saw 
Townsend do that in the 13 games when he was at Newcastle unfortunately it was only 13 games but during those 13 games he was probably the standout Newcastle player and Benitez wanted to keep him it was a shame that Townsend didn't stay and at least have seen it through until that January and seen where Newcastle were on the table and if they maybe hadn't been come for promotion he would have understood then if he'd wanted to go but when a manager like Rafa Benitez asked to stay I know he had the England uh, potential being an England squad to think about but I still thought it was a strange decision at the time will Benitez go back in from well he was someone again they considered in the summer but Palace wanted stupid money from um I suppose it, it all depends partly on the takeover, which I know we're going to get into later on, but it suppose depends what sort of um, market Newcastle are going to be shopping in the future. It, it, do they need a, a winger at the moment? Benitez would like another one, but he's got other priority positions, and if it's going to be that much to spend on Townsend, if he's got a, a set budget, I'd be surprised if it happened in January. Mm. But as we say, as I say, it depends going forward what happens with the takeover and what sort of market Newcastle are going to be shopping in. We are going to get over onto the table in just a second. Obviously, I think Townsend was linked over the weekend um, as Rafa was linked with a £500 million budget, which we will discuss in some depth <laughs> in a second. But I just want to bring on the home formula here. Um, one loss in 10 games, six wins, three draws. Rafa is turning to Jim's Park into the fortress it once was. Yeah, I mean, it's, I think it's got a little bit um, to go before we can talk too much in them terms but certainly on the way uh, the atmospheres are improving the flags the the guys and girls who put the flags together have done a really good job um it's it's looking like a top the european stadium now uh looked brilliant before the game another great display i think atmosphere probably could go up another notch i, I think the gallagher sort of corner to the top right this probably a, you can hear them um, loud and clear. Probably a little bit too far away. I actually had a season ticket in that exact spot when that stand first opened, and you are quite far from the pitch. So the the amount of noise they are making is is brilliant, because as I say, it's it's right up there. Um, not as bad as level seven, of course, but uh, but yeah, I think it's improving in terms of on the pitch. That you know that they're not going out to try and. Blitz teams three or four nil because that's just well, it's just silly, really, isn't it? If you, you try, it's nice if you can do it, but that game on Saturday, as I mentioned, was one we could have probably lost in the past by trying to chase it too much, get caught, and you know, end up losing one nil, two nil, or something like that. So, I'm happy if they want to carve out results like that, grind them out, then delighted. Then, when they get a 40 points, maybe they can relax a little bit more, but they're well on the way to. Um, you know, a good tally of points at this stage of the season already. I was just going to say, when Lee talks about the, the atmosphere, I think that's a crucial point. Rafa was asked about this on on Saturday and just would teams not like to come to St James's anymore in terms of with the fact that Newcastle have got this good record under him. And he, he basically implied that at times in the past, certainly the, the air that went down, teams saw the atmosphere at St James's as to their advantage because things were, weren't great there was dysfunction on and off the pitch at the club and so they could take advantage of that. Now there is this united front, um, both within the dressing room and within the stands, everyone backs what Rafa's trying to do and what the team are trying to do. And as, as Lee says, they're not trying to play expansive football because they simply don't have the personnel to, to try and blitz teams away. It's not like they've got the like players such as Man City have where you can play that way. Rafa's getting the most out of what he has in that dressing room and 
the fans are really helping along the way and as he says I think I can go another couple of notches and with the Leeds' flag initiative and things that are coming I think we'll see further improvement in that regard mm. I mean I don't know if it's just that as, as the years go by that, that something seems better than it is but you know the atmosphere when Keegan was there in the 90s was you know absolutely electric as a lot of people will know that already but it's not quite close to that yet I mean it, it came back a little bit under Bobby um, and you know there's been times where you know the atmospheres have been brilliant I mean uh, Ben Ficker in the Europa League you know a few years ago was a great night and, you know where everyone was really up for it Um so it, you know, there's there's room for improvement, uh, but I, I think they've definitely got it back on the right track now, um, and there's enough people getting involved with the you know walking up the ground with the flag. I think it's brilliant. It's just just another um, tick in the box for the for the Newcastle fans. Definitely, and in home form is obviously going to be key. I mean, that's where most of the points are going to come from. So Rafa knows what he's, yeah. what he's doing. Yeah, definitely. I mean, we've got they've got Burnley away next, and if they can get something there, brilliant. And then Bournemouth at home. That'll be the one that they're looking to definitely get three points from, but three or four points out of the next two games, and the league table could look very good indeed. And we'll get on to, to the table by now. I mean, Lee, what's your understanding? Where are we at at this moment? I think that you know we've taken the story as far as we can uh, at the moment. Non-disclosure signed, uh, due diligence started for Amanda Stavely. I think you know now is the sort of waiting part where it's going to take maybe you know three four weeks by the time they've gone through the books the formal offer should come after that hopefully nothing in between you know shows up I just hope that as far as um, the fans this is Acast recommends every week we pick one of our favorite shows And this is one we think you're going to love. Hello, I'm Jeff Lloyd, and I recently had a baby with Ed Miliband. A baby podcast, that is. It's a spin-off of our show, Reasons to be Cheerful. It's called Cheerful Book Club, and it's conversations with some of the best writers working in the world today. You'll really enjoy our chats with people like US broadcasting legend Rachel Maddow, literary giant Ian McEwan, and the big, short and moneyball author Michael Lewis. Feed your brain with ideas from the Cheerful Book Club. You'll find us on the excellent Acast app or wherever else you get your podcasts. Acast is home to the biggest podcasts from Ireland and around the world. Subscribe to this show and hundreds more now via Acast or wherever you get your podcasts. Concerned to get the owner uh, who can come in and show the club a bit of love and get them to that January transfer window with a bit of proper backing and then you know, we really could be talking about a, an excellent season now without getting carried away but for you know Amanda Stavely it's a real chance now I think she's definitely wanted by a lot of supporters I've seen some banners uh, out there which look really good in terms of attracting her to the, to the football club and they want a fresh start and they want someone serious as well and they want someone who's you know, a genuine football fan, which we believe she is a genuine football fan. So that, that's exactly what um, the, the doctor would order. And you know, long, long may it continue if um, it comes in. And Chris Rafa was quite coy about um, all the questions on Friday in the press conference. Made a little joke about is it for sale? A little smile there. Um, I mean, how will he be handling you know the, the pressure and the rumours and the speculation? Uh, just focusing on the training ground. Rafael handled it like he handles everything in that regard. He 
he's very cool, calm, and he controls what he knows he can control. It was, it was quite funny. Came in first question about the takeover, about the club being for sale. His reply was, "Oh, is it for sale?" And then he's asked later if Amanda Stavely was going to be at the game, and his reply was, "Oh, does she play for Crystal Palace?" And he, he know, he knows he. He knows to say enough that that he can he gives an answer, but at the same time he also realizes that it, this is being dealt with on a boardroom level. As Lee says, this is a, this is a story which, for the moment, has really gone as far as it can, and we are waiting for these developments, which can take anywhere. As Lee says, could take up to four weeks, could take a little bit longer. The due diligence can be as deep and as complex as as, as any prospective owner wants it to be. And, Given that Mike actually didn't do it the first time himself when he bought Newcastle, and given what he discovered at a later date, he, you imagine that they're going to want to, to thoroughly go through the books. So there's certainly very real interest. There's some parties who want to buy the club, and Mike, uh, sorry, Rafa Benitez for now is going to focus on on trying to win on the on the pitches they did on Saturday and he didn't even mention the fact that the, the club was for sale in his programme notes which I think was telling because he wanted the focus to be on Crystal Palace the excitement off the pitch is great but for him he just wants to keep things going on the field and then deal with a takeover if and when it happens and it was significant that someone from the PCP group was actually in the stands on Saturday a lot of people obviously mm. kind of knew that Amanda Stavely wasn't going to be there I think you said you know she was never expected to be there no but to have someone there from the group it's quite important yeah I think the, look the, the professional people and they know exactly what they need to do and when they need to do it by and the fact someone's there for a watching brief just to keep things ticking along is is a positive it shows that there's there's no problems that have came up in the last few days so in some ways no news is, is good news as far as the, the takeover is concerned as we've said it's going to take a good few weeks anyway before we get to that really big next step and then you know maybe people I know we'll get a lot of people who are like saying to us you know we're just writing the same stuff over and over again every development will be covered um, from, from start to finish and you know hopefully the, the end result is We've got nobody complaining and celebrating because for a long time now Newcastle have needed that bit of love and hopefully they're going to get it. And I'll see a few reports of again about £500 million budget. It seems it's gone up from 150 to £500. Uh, your take on that? Is that just someone just plucked a number out of the head, you reckon? Uh, look, no, you, you couldn't really know that at this stage because they haven't probably got down to... That'll only happen when... Rafa Benitez gets in the room with a new owner. That five hundred millions off the off the planet, really, isn't yeah. it? To be honest, the price know. hasn't even been agreed yet. Exactly. exactly. So you know, Manchester City probably won't even spend that in the next two windows. So let's have a little a little dose of, of realism. It doesn't mean he won't get backed because there's every chance this you know group can come in and give him that that real. Genuine, but and he'll spend it sensibly as well. That's the thing. It's not going to be fantasy football and just signing players for the sake of it and wasting it. Uh, you know, Rafa will come in and he'll have a plan. If there's a striker out there for twenty-five million pound, they'll go for it. But it'll be someone who's definitely going to come in and do a job. And I'm quite excited, really, that by the prospect of Rafa having a good spend in the window because he he won't you know rip anyone off or anything like that he'll go out and get players who are going to do the job who've got a good future ahead of them and who can handle the you know have a good mentality to play for the football club and 
that hasn't been the case in the past and, and money has been thrown away so yeah they, they'll know they'll, they can trust him give him 500 million then they can probably win everything fingers crossed and Chris you spoke to Bob Elliott and a few people have been asking uh, there on Twitter NUF 360 just asked are the players getting a little bit distracted because his quotes uh, not that anything out of turn but they are they're quite strong that the players have got you know, interested and excited at the prospect of a, of a new owner yeah, I asked the question to both uh, Marino and to, to Rob Elliott. And Rob Elliott was very honest. And he said, look, it's time that this club did step, take it on, kick on to the next step, is the exact term he used. He's saying that since he's been here, he's seen the potential of the club and he knows that now, if they did have an owner who came in who would back the manager, then they really can fulfil the potential which the club's unfortunately been defined by. He needs to realise that eventually. And it probably... And look, the players are discussing it. Rafa said on Friday that they weren't. He said he hadn't seen them discussing it, but there's no doubt that behind the scenes they are. Marino said he's just concentrating on his football. Elliot says the same. They've just got to wait and see, but it is an exciting time. The players themselves will be talking about it because I think they realise that it can be a really positive step for the club. Benitez is already in charge, a world-class manager. Now what he needs is someone who's going to let him really take the revolution onto the next stage which would be to really kick on and try and get into the top six of the Premier League and hopefully to try and win something and he can't necessarily do that under the current owner if he did it would be an absolutely phenomenal job because of the backing we've seen that he got in the last two windows if he could get back properly as Lee says he's not going to he's not going to waste money it is exciting prospect to think that if he makes a big money signing it's going to be one who you know is going to come in and really hit the ground running mm-hmm. And the players know that. The players realise that this is an important step for the club. Alan Shearer wrote in his column today that it, it, it's it's a crossroads for the future of, of the football club and hopefully whoever comes in can take them on to that next level. And I think the players are excited by that. And I guess the players like Bob Elliott, who's been here quite a while, he's been through the mill, he's seen it all. There will be that tinge of an excitement that actually we're not just buying players to replace our best players, we're buying players to play with our best players. And, you know the, the future is looking looking you know quite bright if indeed you know the, the right one does come in. Yeah, I mean Lee will know even better than me that when when you speak to Rob Elliott, he talks about when he was first at the club or even a couple of years after he's first at the club and certainly the air they were going down and he talks about the the mood in the dressing room and some of the attitude of the players and the way that he now speaks glowingly of the current dressing room. You can see he's genuine as well. He's not just saying it. it's not just platitudes as you might hear as you'll probably hear from all the players at Leicester two weeks ago before Shakespeare went and all that sort of stuff. That's not what's like at Newcastle. Rob Elliott is, has seen the other side and he now sees the positive and he, he knows what the club could become and the yeah, players will be excited by that because they know they also have the man in charge in terms of the manager who really can help them fulfil that potential. Fantastic. And Lee, just a couple of questions. Um, for you, uh, people are just asking whether is firstly is a monastery the front runner, or is it a case that obviously there's been a few non-disclosure agreements signed, so the ones are being quiet because well they have to be essentially. I think what's happened be- because the difference is between Amanda Stavely and the others who've signed the NDAs is that she was obviously spotted and there was a sort of wave of publicity surrounding her sort of initial. Um, interest in the club front runner I would say she's probably is the front runner yeah because 
we haven't heard much from the other groups. I know they've, they've signed the NDAs, but th- this seems to be a bigger interest and a bigger clamour from her group to, to really push on and, and, and get all these boxes ticked. So I think that's probably the takeover everyone wants, but it doesn't mean to say that there's one or two other interesting figures in the background that maybe haven't. Um, we haven't been allowed to to write about at this stage. So do you expect maybe in the future a few more names to creep in or was it? I, I think all will come out eventually. Um, you know, I certainly, obviously haven't been able to write it, but certainly heard one interested party, which obviously I'm not going to talk about at the moment, but it, it was one where I raised my eyebrows and thought, wow, that would be... That, that could be something but since then or since I, I, I learned about that the Staveley situation has is, is really gathered pace and that for me that seems to be the, the perfect combination with, with uh, Amanda Staveley this group of people and Rafa Benitez and let them get on with it I think it would be brilliant Fingers crossed and we'll get on to Burnley now obviously they've had a quite a decent start this season you know Sean Dyche has even been tipped for the Arsenal job uh, thanks to Ian Wright um, which you know he's a very decent manager they're eight in the league obviously they've just been thumped off Manchester City but then I suppose if you're not thumped off City you're probably in the minority anyway um, how do you see the game going I mean is it going to it's going to be quite a tough game they're quite good at home they've only uh, they've got five points from possible 12 so not maybe as good as Dash at home but they are a, a decent home team yeah I mean it's it's a tough place to go really I think teams have gone there and been sort of turned over only been there once for Newcastle I think it was a 1-1 draw a couple of seasons ago for Newcastle to go there and get three points would be a huge result Burnley have adjusted the Premier League really well Dyche a great manager they've got some really hard players who, who battle for everything and I think Newcastle going there they'll go there It's in a way it's a bit of a it's like a bonus game in some ways because they don't. They're not on a massive pressure to win. They're not in the bottom three or anything like that. Uh, they're in a good position, so they've got the ball mouth game coming up as well. You know, I'm, Rafa Benitez, as you know, would never write off a game. But if Newcastle lost this one, it wouldn't be a disaster. But I think they've got every chance of going there and, and continuing this. And I think in front of the TV cameras as well would be another statement of intent and. You know, I think as I say, if they can get four or six points out of the next two games, then it's looking very good going into November already. Obviously, Sam Vokes looks like he's probably going to return on Monday, which is going to be a test for whoever the centre back pair now will assume it's going to be Lejeune and Lascelles. But he's a, he's a decent striker. He will he puts himself about a bit very good in the air, so it's going to be a it's going to be tough for the defence. He's certainly a unit, isn't he? I mean, he's, he's yeah, he will provide a, a different test to what Nick obviously against Palace. They didn't have a, a focal point at centre forward up front. It was a different test in terms of the two wingers. Now they're going to f- they face that old fashioned centre forward if Sam Vokes does play. But Burnley have other threats, and what Dyche has done this year is he's really he's, he's changed Burnley a little bit. Last year they were very, very workmanlike. Now he's added probably another dimension to them. They've got Chris Wood, who's looking very good. Scoring goals for them important in that regard. But you know there's going to be a team who are going to, not going to give you an inch. Newcastle are going to have to, to be again expect a game like against Palace that it's 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 probably one they're just gonna have to, to stay focused in, keep their discipline and try and target those set piece situations. You 
the refreshing thing about Newcastle under Benitez is you don't see them going away and, and, and shipping a lot of goals. Um, touch wood. But, uh, but was that wood or the glass? <laughs> I think that's wood. Yeah. Uh, um, because he just has them so organised and so disciplined, which is not a trait you would associate with Newcastle United sides over the last twenty years, particularly not the last few years. Um, and so they're always going to have a chance. And I think the thing that frustrated him about the Huddersfield and Brighton games were that Newcastle were always in those games, but just didn't really get going in their own sort of play. So if they if they can go and if they can set a platform like they did against Palace, there's no reason why they can't go and win the game. But a draw would also be a positive result and it'd keep the momentum going. And I mean they have they've only lost once since the end of August. So as long as they can keep that that run going of being unbeaten, I think very positive going into what look like winnable home games. Definitely obviously Newcastle came out unscathed from Saturday. So again Benitez has got loads of options to choose from. Obviously the ones that will stand out will be the centre backs the centre-mids and the striker. We'll go with centre-mids firstly. Do you think stick with Hayden Shelby? Do you think he'll bring Marino in for Hayden? I think Marino might start and possibly alongside Shelby. I think that is what people want to see. They want to see that that sort of combination work. Uh, but by the same token, Hayden has done nothing wrong in the last two games. He, you know, he was steady on Saturday. They just needed a little change um, in, in the middle so it's all good so uh, yeah but for me Marino would be definitely the, the, the man to start that game yeah. so we'll have a piece online um, later today about Iosi Perez a man who will just provoke uh, conversation a lot of talk again that he should maybe be dropped and either Shelby or Marino be pushed up 10 yeah. and Hayden sticks in the middle something you'd like to say or do you, because Shelby is the man who you know, likes to spray the balls around I mean it's mm. not not I don't see Shelby as number 10 personally um, I, I haven't witnessed Marino play there I know he's done it for Spain under 21s so I, I think Rafa's got this system in his head hasn't he the, the way he's playing and he sees Perez as the best option um, especially with Hoslu So obviously some good communication going on between them two I as I've mentioned in the, the piece you talked about there, that basically I think he's trying to get Perez to show another side of his game and do a bit of the sort of dirty work, if you like, and chase balls down, chase lost causes, get a few tackles in, defend from the front, something we haven't seen from him. Um, I mean, he, was, he got taken off the weekend. I don't think he was very happy. Uh, I tried to speak to him after the game, but he didn't want to do anything. So, and that's very unlike him because yeah, he, like he normally stops every time, no matter what the result. He just didn't want to know. So he's obviously it's good in a way that you've got players that are upset with their performance because it, if they're just breezing through, as I said before, with the headphones on and all that, and that just shows that they're not bothered. But he was clearly upset by what what had happened. So I think you said that as well in the piece. That obviously, he won't be too impressed at the way he played. But um, I suppose that just shows the high standards that Benitez is setting as well. You know, you've got to reach a certain a certain standard. It does, and I thought Perez was was arguably man the match at Southampton last week. So he's, I think he's also frustrated that he couldn't keep that level going for another game. But I think what Lee says about his relationship with Hossu is important. Benitez sees the number ten, the striker, as it's a relationship. So he wants something there, and he thinks there's an understanding there. The two of them run the lines quite well. Perez is doing a lot of that unseen work and. 
he provides that foil to Hostler. I think he was just a little bit too, because of the way Newcastle were playing on Saturday and couldn't really get it going. He was a little bit too far away. There was there wasn't enough. That we weren't close enough to each other, and it meant that Newcastle weren't really creating the chances they wanted to. Mm-hmm. But look, it was it was one poor performance. But we know that Perez at the moment seems to be the player where a lot of fans are picking on. Last year, it seemed to be Paul Dummett, No matter how he played, couldn't get a, a rave review. And Perez at the moment and. Right, fine. That maybe his fans need or something like that. But as as long as Benitez is picking him, there's there's a reason why he's picking him and he's going to retain faith. And Diarmi came on and did okay. I thought he a couple of of, of bustling runs. But the problem with Diarmi is number ten for me is he's not. You can see he's better from a deep position because he doesn't like to receive the ball facing away from goal, and he's better when he can break from midfield if he's too far advanced. That's a problem I have with Shelby at number ten. You want him to be deeper so he can. Th- Feed the passes through. If he's further forward, then it's not as easy for him to do. Marino, like Lee, I haven't seen him play there, so I'm not 100% sure on that one. But I think for now, Perez, I'd be amazed if Perez didn't start as number 10 on Monday. I think I already know the answer, but Mitrovic Monday starts? No. No. I thought that'd be the answer. <laughs> Centre back pairings, it'll be Lascelles and Lejeune, we think? Well, you, you didn't think that Lejeune would come in at Southampton, and, mm. and he did out the blue, so. I don't see why we would change it now because Lejeune's doing well. The cells is you know in in reasonable, reasonably good form, pushing for an England call. I, I can't see him changing it, but Rafa will surprise yeah, everybody. He will. I mean, the, the thing with Lejeune, you've got to remember, is he was one of the four players Benitez wanted at the start of the window. He was one of the ones he went along with Marino. He wanted to bring in. He sees him. I think is his best centre back, best all round defender and player who can can add and improve them in possession so I think he's wanted Lejeune in the team but Clark and the Cells haven't given a reason to do that until Clark went away in at national duty and he, and he was able to bring him in so I, I think that we're likely to see the two as Lee says with Rafa you can change things all of a sudden you'll have no idea So, but I think it'll probably be those two and, and Clark will be pushing to get back in the team and I, th- I think we'll see him sooner rather than later as well back in the team Fantastic prediction time go on then Chris One's each. One's each and yourself, how do you see it going? I'm, I'm going to stick my neck out and I'm going to go for a, a narrow win for Newcastle. I think they can go there and maybe get a 2-1 win. Fantastic. And just to close it off, we've got a bit of trivia, which I've found and I've lost my notes. There we go. Right. Um, Newcastle have not lost a game at home against a side which started the day bottom since, since when? First of all. The, the, the question for you. I know who the team was because I, I, I saw this at the weekend. So if Lee hadn't seen it, then I'll let Lee see if he can answer. The team that was so they haven't lost it. Haven't lost the game against a team which started the day bottom for so many years. It's uh, quite a while. It's, like 20, yeah, it's quite a while, and it, ironically, it was against Crystal Palace as well. It was the last time that it was that in nineteen ninety eight? Spot on. See, Sean McCormick would have got that wrong. Definitely. But that is the answer, yes. And we lost 2-1. Sheila got the, the only goal for, for Newcastle. Um, and that's it for now. If you stick to chroniclelive.co.uk, obviously we're bringing you all the latest news, uh, takeover and what have you, and uh, obviously bringing you live coverage of the game next Monday. Thank you very much. Thank you very much for listening. Please remember to like, subscribe and share the podcast, whether that be through iTunes, Audio Boom, Spotify, or whichever platform you may be listening through. And if you want to get involved with the podcast, you can do so via our social media channels. We're over on Twitter at Chronicle NUFC and on Facebook at the same handle, Chronicle NUFC. We want your questions, your topics, your feedback. So why don't you drop us a line and get in touch?
This is Acast Recommends. Every week, we pick one of our favourite shows. And this is one we think you're going to love. Hello, I'm Jeff Lloyd, and I recently had a baby with Ed Miliband. A baby podcast, that is. It's a spin-off of our show, Reasons to be Cheerful. It's called Cheerful Book Club, and it's conversations with some of the best writers working in the world today. You'll really enjoy our chats with people like US broadcasting legend Rachel Maddow, literary giant Ian McEwan, and the big short and moneyball author Michael Lewis. Feed your brain with ideas from the Cheerful Book Club. You'll find us on the excellent Acast app or wherever else you get your podcasts. Acast is home to the biggest podcasts from Ireland and around the world. Subscribe to this show and hundreds more now via Acast or wherever you get your podcasts.